Welcome back to another episode of the Cape Cod Pod. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. I'm here as always with my co-host, Peter Flaherty. This is the podcast here on Baseball America. We break down the happenings over the last week in the Cape Cod Baseball League, America's top wooden bat summer league for collegiate athletes. Made that sound very fancy. (laughs) What's going on, Peter? How are you, man? I've been off Cape all week, hoping potentially to get back there tonight. But certainly over the course of the weekend at some point, you've been out there. I went out to Seattle. You're back from Omaha. You're settled in. It's probably been a couple of weeks now. So you've been able to really dive into the Cape for the first time. You've gotten a few pre-draft looks. You've gotten some post-draft looks now. It's uh, it's the true second half of the season now that the draft has happened. I think that kind of is the uh, line of demarcation, so to speak, within the league. But welcome to the show, man. Let's talk a little bit about what you've been seeing over the last week. Let's do it. I'm fired up. Absolutely. Well, I think the first topic that we'll bring up is you have been watching Travis Bizana go bananas over the last week. Uh, the Australian soon-to-be junior former sophomore from Oregon State has been the talk of the league. I looked at it last night. He's got a nine-game hitting streak. He's got a 10 or 11 game on base streak. I got to double check, double check on that one. But over the course of this nine game hitting streak, he is 20 for 42. And I believe that Falmouth is eight and one over that period. So kind of goes to show you as Benzana goes, it seems as Falmouth goes, this seems like a resurgent Falmouth. We haven't seen a competitive Commodores team like this that had a real chance of doing some damage in the playoffs, winning a series in years, years. It's been at least three or four years since we've seen a Falmouth team like this. They're always talented. This one seems a little bit different, and it's not just Bizana. We can talk about some of the other names that are, are doing things there, but what are your, your thoughts? Because you've seen Falmouth, I think, a few times with Benzana. Uh, Potentially, the two of us could see him tonight if the weather holds up. So talk to me a little bit about this team, because it it seems to have a different look and feel than Commodore's teams have of late where they're kind of perpetually underachievers. This doesn't seem like that. So it's no secret at this point. I don't think it's a secret that Bazana is a big time cheese ball of both you and I, so I will try and keep it somewhat unbiased, but man, if I'm in a dra- if I'm a team drafting next year in the top, you know, three to five picks, potentially even first overall, He's a guy that's really high up on my board. Um, I was expecting for him to put on a show, and did he ever. I mean, he's in complete control of the box. The approach is outstanding. The feel for the barrel, again, is also elite. He's got a super powerful swing. There is more physicality in his frame and good physicality at that than I was expecting. I know he's listed at 6 foot 195, and he's every bit of the 195, and it is all muscle. He's got serious strength in his forearms. The bat speed is double plus. And I mean, he just hammers the baseball all over the yard. He had a, when I saw him, he, the first home run he hit of the summer, he caught it off the end of the bat a little bit and coming out of the box, he kind of like let out like a darn it. And it's, and he thought it was a miss hit and it ended up going over the fence. And I mean, I think that speaks to the strength that he's got. He's a super explosive athlete. I think that they're going to try him at shortstop, maybe at Oregon state next year, which would really help in terms of a, a, a draft profile. But, 
Um, as I wrote in my 2024 draft report, uh, which I'm not sure when in the top 100 is coming out, but he's also a plus plus human being and the energy that he brings to the field, it is infectious and it rubs off on everyone with whom he shares a dugout. So he brings a lot more to the table than just his baseball skills. And then, I mean, last week he, he went five for five against Orleans most notably and hit for the cycle. Um, which doing that anywhere is a great feat, but doing that up here is it really, really speaks volumes and off air. We we've been talking for so long about how he inevitably, <laughs> my, my favorite line was, I kept saying that he's going to go on a 10 for 20 stretch. Like it's coming. He's going to explode. Yeah. He, he somehow upstaged that he's been going off. Uh, he's now hitting 348 on the year with a pair of doubles, a pair of home runs walking just as much as he's striking out basically. And, um, using that plus speed also to his, yeah. to his advantage with five bags, but going back to Falmouth as a whole, um, I know Bourne can really swing it too. Um, I haven't seen them recently. They're a bit of a new look team since the last time I saw them. So it's unfair for me to judge that lineup, but I know they've been really good, but having seen Falmouth, that is a really, really deep lineup and it's all going to come down to how they pitch it, but that lineup is going to be able to hit them, um, hit them pretty deep into the playoffs potentially. Obviously Bazana is the the focal point, but there are some other guys I really like, namely Kyle DeBarge, who you'll also see on the 2024 uh draft top 100. John Spikerman is a fun player. And then Tyler McGregor, veteran from Northeastern, physical lefty, really good feel to hit. He's been he's been excellent mm-hmm. for the doors. And then there are guys at the bottom that um again have have really pulled their weight, namely Gavin Keelan and, and Christian Martin. So and that lineup on any given night, I mean, it's, it, it's six to seven guys deep and there are no breaks in there for opposing arms. Yeah. And don't forget about Cade Snell either. Um, Wallace uh, Juco uh, down in Alabama. He's an incoming Alabama transfer. He's been ri- ripping it up. I mean, over his, you know, first 13 games with the doors, he's 18, 50, you know, he's driven in 10 runs, you know, six walks at 13 Ks. Um, he's had a string of multi-hit games really going back to the end of June. Um, I think, you know, one, two, three, four, five, five of his last six games, he's had two or more hits. Um, you know, he was a guy that was on the uh, on the Cape Cod League hot sheet last week. I think he's kind of interesting, too, kind of there behind McGregor to barge before, you know, Heyman, um, another interesting guy in that lineup, you know, of course you got K line and, and Turley Tracy. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of names there, guys that were at the top of the the order for Falmouth in the opening weeks of the season are now at the bottom of the order and supported by some pretty talented players. So, um, it's a really interesting squad for sure. And, you know, they've been on fire. I think they're eight and two over their last 10, um, it might be 11 or 12 and two over their last like 13 or 14 too. Um, yeah, they've been, uh, they've been a pretty impressive squad to say the least. Hey, we talked about this prior. I know I'm kind of putting you in the spot here, but um, Hunter Hines is only one home run away from breaking the, uh, the double digit home run ceiling. So what do you think? Do you think we see him do it this weekend or what? I know. I was going to say the elusive double-digit home run. I can't believe Bobby Dahlbeck in 2015 was the last guy to do it. But, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be this weekend maybe. The way Hines is playing, it wouldn't shock me if it was this weekend. But uh, absolutely this year. And then once he gets into the double digits, 
then we can start really talking about records that have been kind of longstanding. When was the last time someone hit, well, actually Dahlbeck hit 12 in 2015, but if he somehow hits four more over the last few weeks of the season and gets to 13, we'd have to dig way back into, um, into when the last time someone hit 13 home runs was, but on the weekly Hunter Hines segment slash update, he's up his <laughs> home run total to nine, which again leads the league by a pretty wide margin. The next closest has five. Yeah. Cole Mathis, uh, who's also a very intriguing player. And then he also leads the league in RBIs, leads it by, again, a pretty sizable margin with 30. So when talking about MVP candidates with the season starting to take shape, candidates starting to emerge, I mean, Hines is right there. And another guy that I think that is in the MVP convers- conversation is it's going to be Travis Bazana. I think Joe Yama has a case potentially. Um, and then I think even Cam Smith from Hyannis, the power numbers are really there. Derek Bender too. Bender's yes, absolutely. Derek Bender. I, I that for some reason he complete. I I clicked the leaderboard. So <laughs> I'm at the top and just for some reason skipped him. But absolutely, it's going to be. I'm going to be Hines, Bender, Bazana, and Smith. Those are kind of the four guys to to focus in on when when talking about the MVP. Joey Yama is a great player, but I know the impact stats are are going to be really valuable and and the power numbers. So. Um, those I think are the four guys right now that are the favorites in that race. And then how the Cape league usually works, there's an MVP and then a top pro prospect. And usually there will be an MVP finalist that's named top pro prospect. So, yeah, I mean, Bazana obviously has a great case to be a top pro top pro prospect. Cam Smith, again, potential day one guy in 2024, more than looks the part at six, three, two twenty. Um, I wouldn't, it, it wouldn't shock me if the MVP ends up going to a Heinz or a Bender and then a top pro prospect, the top pro prospect award gets handed out to Bazan or Smith. And so we still got a, a little less than half a season left. So a lot of baseball to be played, but, um, the, everything is starting to sort itself out. Yeah. Um, for sure. You know, I think, uh, all those guys are reasonable names, uh, to consider, I think right now it's bizarre. Uh That team has changed their disposition with uh, him in the lineup and, and going. So um, he'd be the one that sort of gets my vote right now. Other guy I want to bring up here too. Um, he's made a few hot sheets. He's been the best pitcher statistically in the Cape Cod league. I think by every measure and marker. The Cape Cod stats and maybe the folks over at uh, the good folks in the high end analytics department had like a Cape war for pitchers. And um, Cameron Hill is kind of dominating. Like if Cameron Hill gets another win, he would right now be tied for the pitching triple crown in the Cape league. He has the most strikeouts by quite a few. Um he has 34 strikeouts right now. Finnegan Wall of uh, Yarmouth Dennis is 28. He's second. Cam Schelke at 25 and third. Um, he is by far the lowest ERA. Um, <laughs> it's a .37. The next closest is uh, is Christopher Collar of uh, older guy from George Washington, who I don't even think is in the league any longer right now. Uh, with, was with you guys, right? Um oh. Kaler, yeah, Kaler got released by Katuit. He transferred, and I, I think he may have hit his innings limit, which is why they sure. released him. But, anyways, yeah. so there you go. And I probably butchered his name as well. But 
the remarkable thing is like over 24 and two thirds innings, um, Hill was allowed exactly one run and one earned run. And that is, uh, that is spanning eight games. Um, we've talked about him quite a bit, but his performance has been something. Um, do you think he's a guy that maybe goes the Alec Manoa route of, you know, converting from a reliever to a starter next year and potentially busts out because this has been one of the better K pitching performances I've seen in some time. And he's a big left-hander. I think there's a lot of projection in that body. Good athlete. Um, when I saw him, you know, fastball didn't have a ton of, of velocity, but it was like one to three touching four scraping five, you know, and I think there's more there potentially in the tank. Good slider. Um, yeah. Change up. So, what are your thoughts? I know you've probably seen Cameron Hill as well, um, but it seems like at this point he's kind of running away with the top pitcher in the league, and he started, he's worked in the relief. He's kind of been a little bit of uh, everything for that for that Katuit staff. Yeah, and so I saw him last night. He was excellent. It's funny. The Katuit won 18 to nothing, and he threw four innings, four shutout, and he, he didn't get the win. So he was He's right there for a fourth win, but no, he's been excellent. And last summer on the the vineyard for Martha's Vineyard Sharks in the NECBL, which is another really good summer league up here in New England, he was excellent for them at, out of the bullpen. He was the top reliever in the league. He had a .75 ERA with 41 Ks to four walks and 24 innings pitch. So his stuff against Wood plays really well. This, this spring at Georgia Tech was a little rough. His ERA was a tick under eight. 21 walks and 29 innings with 33 Ks. And up here, he's he's really refined his command, I think, um, as evident by his 34 to, to 9 strikeout-to-walk ratio. But with Hill, as you mentioned, last night the command was a little scattered, didn't work ahead much, but um, he commanded all of it. He, he was able to get back, actually, in, in counts by using his slider, ironically. He had better feel for his slider last night than his fastball. So he would just land a slider for a strike to get back to even or, or win an even count, whatever it might've been. But um, as you mentioned, the fastball 91, 94, really 91, 93 last night um, touched four a couple of times and then reared back for a five. There's a little effort when he's got to get up to 94, 95, but I mean, it's, he's spinning it at about 24 50 up to 25. So a little bit of above average spin. And then the slider again, I think, is is an above average pitch but his best offering i think is is his split change that yeah it's a I good mean, pitch. He, he threw a couple last night that were that would grade out as double plus i think it just he kills spin it really just falls off the table and this year georgia tech i mean he was a 67 percent fastball guy 30 percent slider and hardly ever threw his split change this year on the cape 56 percent fastball 28 slide 16% changeup. So I think part of his effectiveness has been both the development of his third pitch and the, and the effectiveness of it. Um, and then as well as, you know, locating all of his offerings better um, and then overall improvement in pitchability. And then when looking at him as a draft prospect, I think it's pretty clear that he's going to step into the rotation for Georgia tech next year. Um, I'd have to assume he's going to be their Friday guy. I'm not sure who else would be at this point, but Six six lefty, as you mentioned, there's some room to add some good weight to his frame if you want to get a couple more ticks of velocity. Maybe make 91 93 more 92 to 94, um, bumping a six and a seven. Um, moves really well, loves to compete. 
I mean, I think right now he's definitely a top five round draft pick. And this year was the first time a lefty wasn't selected in the first round, I think in 43 years. I don't know if, if Cam Hill is quite a first rounder, but if he continues this momentum he's built from the summer and proves that and puts together a full season as a good starter for Georgia tech as a Friday yeah. guy in the ACC, um, it's going to be hard to leave that on the draft board for a while. So um, certainly trending in the right direction for Mr. Hill. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it's just it's a good it's a good prospect when you look at it on paper. Um, you know, six foot six left hander with some physical projection, athleticism moves pretty well. Has you know semblance of three pitches and can flash plus on all of them at certain points in time. Well, maybe I'm overrating the fastball a little bit, but um, you know, I do think that with a few more ticks, he probably gets somewhere into that range. He's really interesting. Um, and it's been a few years since we've had a true sort of breakout pitcher like this in the Cape. I mean, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I think the high end pitching has maybe been down a little bit over the last two seasons, kind of coming out of the pandemic. I think it's just the nature of the transfer portal and the pre-draft setup and, you know, the collegiate national team and how that's all set up. We just don't see a lot of guys who are talented, have first round upside that end up here on the Cape for a summer, like not just making, you know, a start or two. We'll see those guys here and there. Um, I don't know. He gives me some hope that we could, we could be seeing a guy that goes in the first couple of rounds um, certainly as a possibility. And uh, maybe that streak is back on, you know, I don't know the, the rest of the class well enough to start throwing out who the other lefty could be that goes in the first round next year. Um, but this well, is what it looks depending like. On, right? depending, on depending on how you look at Jack Caglione, I think that, and then he'll be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you know, whether you like him as a pitcher or a hitter, I guess it's really the the question there. Um, I'm kind of wishy-washy on each, to be honest. I know this is kind of delving into a, uh, a draft podcast for 24, a little bit, but <laughs> it's top of mind. It's now the, the new draft class with the, the other draft having gone by. Um, 
But, you know, I, and I was sitting there. It's funny. We're getting off on a tangent here, but I was sitting there um, at the draft on Sunday. And it's remarkable the amount of players that I see over the course of a couple of summers that end up then getting drafted and looking back and, you know, thinking about some of those guys and where they enter the summer in terms of rankings and where they end up finishing guys like Matt Shaw, Tommy Troy probably had a little bit more um, helium heading into last summer than, than Shaw did. But, you know, Shaw obviously went pretty high, kind of named, made a name for himself. Um, We're back onto the streak of uh, a number one pick that, that played on the Cape. I jokingly said on draft night, the reason Skeens went one and Cruz didn't is because Skeens played in the Cape and Cruz didn't. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's exactly what the pirates were thinking they said this guy hasn't played in the cape we have to go with the guy that's played in the cape um so there you go we're kind of back on that one after the first year in what like seven or eight years that a cape player hadn't gone once i think since since royce lewis right Um, uh royce didn't play in the cape no of course not he was a high school player but i'm saying i think he was the last one that did it i'm trying to think of the i feel like it was i saw something where yeah i 2020 22 was well, obviously was, was henry davis 2020 was uh henry davis actually played for born fun fact he did. yep yep he did he played for born i remember seeing him in that one game and not thinking anything of it and then a year later being like oh i think it's <laughs> actually like, this, five this of the last be the number one pick i think it's been five of the last six where the number one overall player has cape experience because this year obviously was um uh skeins 21 yep. was um I just Henry mentioned. Davis. 20 yeah, was Henry Davis. 2019 was was Adley was Adley Rushman. Falmouth. Um 2018 was Casey Mize. Wareham. Yep. 2017 would be the last one, which was Royce Lewis. Oh yeah, there we go. And then uh before that, 2016 was was Moniac, which obviously wouldn't have played in the Cape. 2015, I don't think Dansby played in the Cape, but I could be mistaken about that one. Then it's like he was similar to a lot of guys signed, but never played. And then looking at 24, I mean, Bazana, Falmouth, Weatherholt, Chatham, Honeycutt should have been born. Brecht, Chatham. Yep. Tommy White should have been Falmouth. Same with Cags. Kurtz Uh, should have been Harwich. (laughs) For two years. Yep. And then Sirota, Chase Burns was signed to Hyannis last year. And then Sirota, obviously Hyannis. So. Um, it's, there's, I mean, we have a really good chance to make it seven of eight, but going back to a point you made that I thought was really good about pitching is so, and, and I mean, you know, cause you know the league well, but very, very seldom do you see someone like Cam Hill where in a Cape league in a summer league setting nowadays with, with how cautious coaches are with arms and, and guys shutting down and, and guys hitting their innings limits very odd he you never see a guy really nowadays that can is a true like anchor of a rotation is a reliable starter gives you four or five every outing someone that you can really slot in your rotation and leave him there for the summer and be confident with it so he really fits a unique case i'm given the shutdowns and in the way that the cape has been this year with guys getting yanked by whoever it might be that that is shutting them down for various reasons. Um, it's going to be difficult to, I don't want to say sustain the league because the league will always be great. 
um, just given the notoriety and this is where the best players are going to play, but it is going to get really difficult and, and remain really difficult. So long as the draft is in July and we have USA baseball and the combine and, in all these other variables, it's going to be really difficult to have any continuity on your pitching staff. It, you're either going to have to take all freshmen who you know are going to be low workload guys. But again, if you're a team that poses a risk because you want some sort of track record of saying, okay, this guy can play in college. He's a high level college player. Um, it, and so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see going forward, how teams handle pitching staffs. And I think you're almost going to have, as we've seen this year with, with most of the teams, the ones that are competitive for sure. Um, they've had, you know, three different looking pitching staff, certainly like three to four or five different looking rotations. So a lot of changeover and, and Hill is a unique case in a lot of ways. So positive to see. And um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to monitor going forward in future summers, how it all shakes out. Yeah. Um, I think so too. It's just a, it's a different game. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up as well, cause it's a, it's a new story, uh, around the league. I want to wish, uh, well to Tom holiday, uh, now former manager of Chatham. He stepped down this week due to some, some health complications, you know, um, obviously, uh, the holiday family is, uh, in our thoughts and prayers and, you know, hopefully it's something minimal and just, uh, couldn't take the frustration of, uh, another summer in Chatham. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that's sort of the case there. Um, he's an older guy, of course. Um, but you know, a legendary baseball guy, if this is sort of the end of the road, uh, for Tom, you know, certainly kudos to him and he's got a lot within that family to celebrate and enjoy with his grandsons. Uh, Jackson is, you know, likely to be the number one prospect, uh, <laughs> maybe tomorrow, <laughs> Because Ellie could graduate from prospectum this evening. Uh, he'd move up. We had a great conversation with him. That's uh, up on the site. He uh, had some flight delays, so didn't end up showing up to the prospect pad until 630. So the live stream was done, um, but he was gracious enough to still stop by and attend and, and give us some of his time. We, we talked a little bit with Jackson uh, about his family. He talked about playing cards with his grandfather and you know, how competitive Tom is. I thought it was a great moment. That interview is actually up on the Baseball America page. For subscribers, I encourage you to go over there and uh, check it out. But wanted to sort of send our well wishes to, um, to you know, Coach Holiday and, you know, all that he's done for that program. Um, you know, certainly I think uh, in 19, if I'm not mistaken, he faced off against you guys, didn't he? Or is that, or am I mistaken, it was 18 18 was Chatham and Wareham, the mm -hmm. Torkelson year. And I think Wareham won, ironically enough, um, game two, I want to say it was. Yes. Alec Manoa was the starter for Chatham, <laughs> and it got suspended due to fog. Yes. Um, and they resumed it the next day. Wareham eventually won. Yeah, in the morning. Uh, I remember going over there maybe about noontime and yeah, it was, it was, playing on the playground with one of my friends, and we watched the end of that game. <laughs> Yeah, it was like an eleven thirty start. Wareham came out top, came out on top. The Fighting Austin Shentons, and um, yeah, that was a, a great first year for Coach Holiday. Again, as as you said, all the best to to Coach Holiday, and and he can have some downtime and and relax and and figure out and and get better. Whatever the health issues are, he takes the time to to recuperate, and he's certainly got a lot of good baseball to watch if he wants to, as you mentioned, with his grandson Jackson and then Ethan on the way. So there will be no shortage of baseball for Coach Holiday. He is a baseball nut, 
in the best of ways. So wherever it is, he will certainly be at a yard just behind the fence this time. Yeah, exactly. So wanted to, uh, wanted to kind of send that out there. Um, you know, just because, uh, he was certainly a, a, he's a monumental figure in the college baseball landscape and, you know, has touched, uh, so many players lives over the, you know, over the course of his time here, just on Cape Cod, let alone, you know, his illustrious coaching career, what that's taken him so many different places. But, um, Hey, I want to talk a little bit about the standings. I know that we typically do that. This is a little bit later in the show than we typically go through the standings, but, um, Katuit is, is running away right now with the West division. They have the best, the best, uh, uh, you know, um, excuse me here. My son walked in and kind of just totally threw me off. <laughs> they have the best record in the league. They're 20 and seven through 27 games. They have 40 points. The next closest teams are born and Hyannis, both with 31, as well as Yarmouth Dennis, who leads the East with 31 points. Um, the West division's a little bit like the AL East right now, where um, almost every team in that division would be competing for the title in the East division, um, probably with the exception of Wareham, who's on a four game losing streak. So they're kind of falling off this pace right now, but um, Hyannis and Bourne would both be uh, in contention for first. I think Bourne would actually be in first place. It's one less, uh, they have one game in hand, but they have a better run differential of plus 25 than Yarmouth Dennis has. Uh, Hyannis, funny enough, has kind of been hanging around with, an even run differential. They're negative one right now. Um, certainly with a couple a win or two that could change overnight, of course. Um, but then we got Falmouth and Falmouth is rolling. We've talked about it this entire show. They've won five in a row going against tonight's uh, matchup with Katuit, who's won six in a row. They're both eight and two over their last 10 games. These are the two hottest teams, potentially the two best teams right now in the Cape Cod League. Falmouth looks like if they keep this up over the next couple of weeks, um, I'm not going to say they're going to catch Katuit, but they could end up finishing second place in that division pretty easily and, you know, could make some noise come playoff time. So we're starting to see these, these playoff uh, races start to shake out, you know, for the 18, excuse me, eight, eight of the 10 teams make the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, there's not a ton of drama at the bottom, but, you know, we'll see how Chatham handles it um, with a new, new voice there in, in the clubhouse. And uh, as we said, Wareham's fallen off a little bit and of, of course had a pretty brutal loss to uh to it last night, of course. But how do you see the, the, the standing sort of ranking uh, or breaking out here over the final couple of weeks? Yeah. Sort of how the MVP and top pro prospect race have taken shape. So of the standings, um, obviously the West is a juggernaut, as you mentioned, Katuit leading the way with 40 points. And then you've got Bourne and Hyannis there with 31 points apiece, and their 31 points would be tied for first in the East. So two really quality clubs there. Um, and you mentioned it, and we we hinted at it earlier, but Falmouth is, I mean, they are they are really headed in the right direction. Their lineup is super deep. They're hitting their they're hitting themselves to wins, um, but they've also received some quality pitching. And the key for them, I think, um, just as it is for anyone, is going to be how that pitching holds up. Um, hoping they can they can keep their guys that have gotten them there um they don't lose anyone to to innings limits or shutdowns um and then we have wareham bringing up the rear with 22 points and then for my money's worth i think 
again, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. A lot can change, but I think that seven of the eight playoff teams are set and how the Cape league does it. Eight of the 10 teams make the playoffs. It's the top four teams in each division. So unless you finish last in your respective division, you were in the playoffs. I think about seven of the eight are set at this point, just looking at the trends, um, seeing how teams are playing, who they have right now for personnel. Um, I won't reveal who the team is that I think is already out, but I think one team is out. Uh, not mathematically, just just projecting. And then in the East, YD again in first. They've gotten a little separation from Harwich. We've kind of talked about in the last couple of weeks how they were jostling at the top. Harwich has fallen off a little bit. They lost a lot of pitching. None of their USA guys came back, which again, it's, it's such a variable because a lot of these guys will leave and say that they're going to come back after USA. And then they play for USA for two and a half, three weeks. And they're like, I can't go back to the Cape. My body's spent. My coach wants me back, whatever it is. So they unfortunately didn't get any of their USA guys back. Coach Kelly's Orleans team is playing well. Our guy, Coach Shevchik with Brewster, they're in a little bit of a rut, six-game losing streak. Um, but again, they're they're still in the playoffs if the season ended today. That's a team that usually plays its best baseball in late July and August, a.k.a. the perfect time to play your best baseball. So you can never count out a Coach Shevchik team and then chat them with acting manager coach Marty Lees. Um, they had a nice three to nothing shutout win of YD last night. So a step in the positive, a step in the right direction for the anglers. And it'll be, it'll be very fun to see how all of these races play out as we start to wind down the season over the next three to four weeks. I think it could get pretty crazy in the East, especially um, with a lot of teams kind of right there with one another, even Orleans and YD with just seven points separating each other from first and third place. That could get interesting. So um, a lot of fun scenarios potentially on the horizon, and um, it, it it should be a, a fun playoff field in about four weeks. Yeah, uh, for sure. And we got the All-Star game coming up um, it's next weekend, isn't it? Yeah, next uh so yeah, next Saturday at White House Field in Harwich. When do we get the uh when do we get the uh the final vote here and we'll know all the the all-stars probably next week. So I would guess on our follow-up podcast and we're kind of reviewing week 5, uh we'll be talking about some of the all-star game picks and maybe we'll uh maybe we'll break out who we think should be all-stars. <laughs> Absolutely. So they oh, typically also, get it pretty well. Quick- Quick note and a a quick stack correction or or correction just in general on my part. Great news for Harwich and great news for honestly me and you who cover the Cape League. Seaver King, personal cheese ball again of ours, and Kalen Culpepper are headed back to Harwich. So Woo! excellent news. Oh yeah, we know where we'll be. That's <laughs> Absolutely, that means you're going to have multiple guys to chase between trying to see as much Benzana. <laughs> and Bender is possible. You can add Seaver King into that. Um, that'll make it fun over the final couple of weeks. Loving guys come back from USA. So that'll be a big one. But Peter, we've kind of gone through the league this week. So let's uh, let's wrap this sucker up. This has been the Cape Cod League pod. This is Jeff Ponce in Massachusetts. Here with Peter Flaherty on the Cape. Reporting live from the scene of the crime. There you go. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.